Welcome to B-Plot Podcast, the podcast where we take a look at some of the biggest movies from those gone by. Mostly ignore it, look at the ones come out on the exact same day. And uh, we are here for our Oscar special. Uh, this is the third one we're recording. Rapidly running out of runway <laughs> as we head towards the Oscars on the, on Monday the 26th of April. But we're trying our best, guys. We're trying our mm. best. The movie that we have for uh, you today is Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, directed by Shaka King, also written by Shaka King, um, among some other writers. Uh, starring uh, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Lakeith Thompson. Lakeith Thompson? Uh, the... Lakeith Thompson? What did no, I say? No, you said Lakeith Thompson. Lakeith Stanfield. Stanfield. Yeah. Lakeith Stanfield. <laughs> Embarrassing. Um, who am I thinking of? Is there a Lakeith Thompson? Of... I guarantee you. Yeah, there no, uh, there's no one. Lakeith Stanfield, sorry. Um, D- Dominic Fishback, who's, ac- who's excellent in it. Jesse Plemons, who's one of my absolute favorite actors and thinks should play everything. Um, and of course, Martin Sheen, heavily, heavily made up as <laughs> uh, J. Edgar Hoover in. Uh, we have Martin Sheen in Hoover face, yeah, uh, as it were. But um, Sam, do you want to give us the basic premise of this joint? Basic premise of Judas and the Black Messiah is the uh, true story of the assassination of Fred Hampton, leader of the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. And it's kind of, this film is uh, Fred Hampton on his journey to sort of unite all of the oppressed groups around Illinois in America to try and unify against the government. Uh, meanwhile, the Keith Stanfield's character, Bill O'Neill, has been uh, what's the word? What's the word? Like coerced by the FBI. He did. He's he done a crime, and then he got caught for the crime. And they said, "Snitch on the Black Panther Party," and you get off the crime. And we're sort of following him. Mm, so he's the he's the Judas, and um, Lakeith Stanfield. Sorry. Um, Daniel Kaluuya playing Fred Hampton is the Messiah. Yeah. He's the Black Messiah. Word to D'Angelo. I think you 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 brought up an interesting thing there at the very beginning is the motivations of Lakeith uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character. Um, the kind of framing device for the film is at the very start of the film you see footage of the real life uh, Bill O'Neill played by Lakeith Stanfield and he explains kind of his motivations through that time. And I think this is from an original, from a PBS special or something in the, the late 80s, early yeah. 90s. 1990 and, was, yeah, yeah. And it kind of bookends the movie because the real, at the end, um, the real Bologna shows up and he kind of explains his actions. I think, all right, let me, I'll go out and say what I think first, yeah. Sam, because I, I always ask you. I think this is a very well-made movie. I think this should have been a great movie. And I think because of some very mm, unclear motivations and unclear choices made, I think the movie kind of lost a yard of where it could have been. Okay, what do you mean? What's the uh, What are the choices you're talking about? My first choice is why exactly Bill O'Neill is doing this. Because... Bill O'Neill is this, you know, awful race traitor um, in, in many ways. <laughs> That's our first mention of race traitor on B-Plot Podcast, I think. <laughs> He's very bad, man. He's um, He infiltrates the, the, the Black Panther Party and uh, he is being... Uh, the wonderful Jesse Plemons kind of pulls the strings. And it's unclear to me to what extent Bill O'Neill 
wants to do this because he has this kind of weird fetishization hero worship for the FBI and to what extent he's being forced into doing this mm. by Jesse Plemons. And there's this weird, I don't know how else to say this and depending on how I feel about well, this, I don't know how to say this, but he kind of, he plays a bit like a house nigger where he's allowed in into the kind of sanctum of um, law enforcement. But he, at various points, the he says that um, his hero was Jesse, Pl- Jesse Plemons' character. Mm. Um, he talks about uh, one of the ways that he's initially captured is he holds up the the, the badge, the FBI badge, because like when you've got a badge, it's like you have a whole army behind you. And there's like a suggestion that he's he kind of has an attraction to law enforcement. Yeah. Um, which butts up against his uh which butts up against the kind of um his love for his people. Mm. And he sees the good work that the Panthers are doing. And I think in not kind of there's a way where you can like characterize it to be like you're not really sure, but you kind of like you live with the in, with the insecurity of it. I think I think we should have maybe gone with one or the other. Ah, uh, okay. So that's actually what I quite liked about the film. That that boy bonus points for me because what I love so much about the uh, Keith Stanfield's character's motivations are that they are both immoral and yeah, race traitorous, but they are also inevitable for his wants. So it's like. And this is the thing is at the beginning, yeah, our, our first real scene in the movie, yeah, is him hijacking these guys' cars, pretending to be an FBI agent and sort of getting rumbled. But he it is that thing of it's easier. There's a point where uh, Jesse Plemons is interviewing him and says, why do you rob people this way? And he's like, people are more scared than a bad, of a badge than a gun. And I like... It's it's also a good way of keeping us as the audience, and I, this is the thing, this is the one thing I didn't research as to whether this happened, whether that was his crime, real life crime or not, whether he did it in that way. I mean, um, but it kind of helps keep us keep that character not beyond redemption throughout most of the movie, because we know the thing is, is a historical movie. We know it's about the assassination of Fred Hampton. We know this guy's the rat from the beginning. So we know he's not going to be redeemed. But to keep watching for two hours and six minutes, we have to kind of be like, well, oh, maybe there's a way out of it for him. We have to see through his eyes. And I think what I liked about the the ambiguity of it so much is because we've done, and this is the other thing, of these Oscar movies, right? We've done uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7 and... Uh, there was another true story one we did. Uh, Mank. Mank. Okay, so yeah, so we did Trial of Chicago 7, Mank, and then you know, I don't want to spoil it for you, and I won't, but like Nomadland is also up for best adapted screenplay. And this would be an adapted screenplay as well, right? Because these are all of these things, true events. And then when comparing it to Mank and the Trial of the Chicago 7, I was like, which the events in most of those films, the things that really... Uh, matter for story didn't really happen in real life whereas this one I didn't feel the need to look it up after I'd finished watching it because I was like yeah this all this all checks this all checks out none of this feels forced to me and then I looked it up and I was surprised to find out how every detail uh, or so many of these details were true were really factually accurate and I think the genius of that is creating the film around the character's internal thoughts and uh kitchen sink relationships because no one could possibly know so that's where the talent 
in the writing comes out for me, I think. Uh, fair enough. I, I, hadn't, I hadn't considered that. I hadn't considered that. Um, sorry, you were saying something else. I cut you off, Sam. Uh, this the other thing I was going to add, because I think Fred Hampton, who is like such a, a, an unrealistically virtuous character in real life, is almost... So, so he's humanized more in this film, right? Because this is the thing: Fred Hampton cannot change throughout the course of the movie, right? This and in real life, this kid knows what he wants to do when he's ten years old. Do you know what I mean? There's no, uh, there's no way out for it. So to tell the film from Fred Hampton's perspective, with Fred Hampton as the protagonist, is like, well, he comes in, he tries to be so virtuous that he changes the world, and then he does it. You know, he doesn't succeed for himself he just dies that's like that's not a very interesting story so the way that we humanize fred hampton is these beautiful little moments with his wife where i was like there's maybe five moments with his wife and three or four of these i was like yeah yeah i've i've lived that in a really private intimate relationship and i was like that's fucking beautiful that's how yeah you man sort of te- d not pedestal him but you take him down from this mythic figure of greatness uh, there's a scene where she after she's met him for the first time the second time she he runs into her at the at the black panther office um the very i don't know i love how official the black panther office is yeah it's very funny to me it's like yeah this is a very this is a paramilitary organization but like you know you can show up and it has a lease mm-hmm. um but uh um uh she he flirts with her and there's a scene where daniel kalua stops for a second and he's noticed he note he sees her mm. and he just freezes and he looks up and he looks back down and my partner made me rewind that scene <laughs> she made me she made me go back it's like the sexual energy is too it, too charged dude i don't she made me rewind it i don't know how da- like daniel Kalu, honestly i mean everybody in this fucking movie is amazing but like daniel Kalu, i'm like i don't know how you just transfer whatever energy you want me to feel i just feel it immediately oh man there's so many like i love the the uh award circuit the interview circuit that daniel kalua did of this where he was just on a morning my, my dude's just in his lounge on a zoom call <laughs> in the morning and daniel's like <laughs> and the fucking the uh broadcaster the interviewer she's literally sliding off her like snail trap like she can't <laughs> she can't handle it she can't handle it and then like because i'm always I always see these things on twitter all of the women in the comments are like very supportive of her like yeah. no one's like this. everyone's like we see you sis yeah, we understand yeah. <laughs> everyone's like i would have been that way too that's fair enough it's <laughs> all these thirsty women in daniel kalua's right. in a interview it's so good it's, it's so, so ta- good. he's so fucking talented and also he's a little bit you know, you know what yeah shout out to my man he's a little bit paunchy got a little well bit of bells. i think that's for the fred role because fred yeah is of like, course yeah, it's yeah. Uh, specifically for that because i know my man's rip shack diesel <laughs> But for this, for this, he's got a little bit of a belly and he's still, he's got a sexy vibe, man. I, I, th- look, I think Good it's even sex. The fact that he's rocking hardcore middle-aged dad bod playing a 21-year-old, I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing, um, dude. That's an African chief. That's what you've seen there. <laughs> an African chief. I think score. Yeah. I think cinematography. I think that is a good shout. I do think... And this is weird to say that, like, for a movie that I like uh, a lot, I do think there's, like, a, maybe a one little... Also, this is going to sound terrible because I know um, 
I always complain about this. This movie's a little bit too entertaining. Mm. <laughs> it's a little bit too entertaining yeah. to be a Best Picture winner. Um, yeah. Because there was like, we have this slow simmer, this character study, this slow, uh, what looks like a police uh, biographical procedural almost to a certain extent. And then it like breaks out into gun violence, into like this big standoff between the police. And even as I was watching this, I was like, this is a little bit too exciting. Um, I, think, I, I think this might... I think this might kick it out. There was a there was a point there was a point in the movie where I was like, I totally lost all perception perception of time, and I was like, I don't know whether I'm half an hour into this movie, whether I'm like five minutes before the end, where, like whether I've got some like I'm watching some fucking three hour extended cut, and I was like, Lincoln's gonna be like it's too much of a banger. It's too much of a banger. It's too to much of a banger. And I, you know what? I actually think this could have been. I would have accepted that scene where the where the Panthers have the shoot-up with the police if the movie was maybe a little bit like 20 minutes longer. Mm, mm. You know what I mean? To, to, if it was like, if yeah, to build up to it, it kind of, it felt like it dropped out of nowhere. Yeah. And then before then, before long, we were in the um, the assassination of, of, of Fred Hampton. And I thought that was maybe... Mm. Mm. But let's talk about this as like a... As like a thing not seen or represented because this is this is like a this really falls under like a black trauma film obviously i mean and when you know the you know the, the history of fred hampton and they show you a lot of it in the film of like starting the free fucking school lunches and breakfast program and all of this stuff it's like a real like horrific series of events to not have that be like trauma porn to not have it be like we're gonna yeah three hours and you're gonna suffer to be like oh i'm entertained and like look and you're right man the soundtrack those that fucking weird like distorted brass sound that they do beautiful. at the beginning end beautiful is that was the is the my one merit for mank was the score and i'm like no yeah this is this is fucked off not just with score but with soundtrack as well that um gorgeous and i can never um, remember what the song is but the uh the one that cypress hill sample for i want to get high Oh, I don't know what that. I would but never that, know that. That that riff, that riff could go in every film ever. Um, cinematography looks from, like the art direction, the clothes, um, the way that like I love the way that those that the the camera kind of like pans along these beautiful long nineteen uh, sixties cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like makes you live there. And, yeah, like, I just I think that's gorgeous. Um, I wanted to talk about Jesse Plemons' character. Who I'm fascinated because Jesse Plemons is one of my absolute top. I don't know what I was watching the other day where I was like, man, Jesse Plemons would play this shit. Yeah. He's the best. Yeah. Because Jesse Plemons plays um, uh, banal evil yeah. better than anyone I've ever seen. Mm. Um, Jesse Plemons' ability to, with a slack jawed, kind of dead behind the eyes face, project menace. And 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 just pure evil is incredible. And I think maybe with this one, ah, I feel like his character. I can accept your I can accept your understanding that the the Keith's character is, is a much more like nuanced uh, take where like you kind of pull in and out of it. But I think I think Jesse Plemons' character wasn't drawn quite as as strongly, even though the performance was was quite good. So okay, yeah, because I actually want to expand on why the Lakeith why I like the that angle so much, but it ties it to, and yeah, you're right. Jesse Plemons, Jesse Plemons in the next 10, 15 years is looking for that Philip Seymour Hoffman seat now. Oh, 100%. It's, it's like, it even kind of, even kind of looks like yeah. it as well. And it's like, you, you just, 
fucking magic in everything you do. Um, and he is so good. What I really loved about him, again, juxtaposing this with the trial of Chicago 7, where you have Joseph Gordon-Levitt as this, uh, like, heroically moral, but, like, hard right-wing Republican who turned out to be a Nazi. This guy, you've got this layer... I really love this layer of complexity of... he's He comes into the film, and we're like, yeah, it's just a, you know, like, hardcore racist FBI agent. And then there's this moment where Lakeith Stanfield is freaking out because he hears about what the Black Panthers have done to another rat in the organization and tells Plemons. And then that's when Plemons finds out that he really doesn't know half of what's going on. And he's kind of fucked. And there's, and it's that thing that I think in white movies or, you know, Aaron Sorkin style feel good ones, it, that that's where that character goes, I'm wrong and I should change and be a hero mm, now. Mm, and this was mm. the moment where you can tell, and it's, again, it, it's like written for Plements. You can tell that he's not upset because racism is wrong. He's upset because he's not the fucking guy. But it angers him just the same. And I think that's such, like, that's a much deeper look into capitalist racism than we've seen before. Even though it's only a hint, is that thing of, well, I guess Get Out does it very well as well, but it's that thing of this guy is is racist after he is like capitalist. He's racist because he loves capitalism so much. Not what, what, why do you bring capitalism into it? Because I, I would I would go more with the kind of the um, the way that like the institution the way works. that like like law law enforcement yeah and and. But, but then, are you like you're tying it all in in, in, well, in together again, and this is I think again this is why Fred Hampton is so important and should be looked at more today than I think he is is because it's that that speech he gives he says it in the film is like we don't fight uh, racism with racism and we don't fight and he says we don't fight capitalism with black capitalism we fight it with socialism and it's because. Because capitalism in its current state is so heavily founded, it had to be founded on slave mm. labor, mm. and the and, and because those effects continue to like ripple throughout generations, it's like well you can't fix it until you fix capitalism. So I think yes, you're right. For Jesse Plemons, he's not the character isn't thinking like that, but it's he only cares about that status and law enforcement as it relates to the, the capitalist values because they're not... Yeah, because uh, yeah. that's why the... Yeah, you're right. Because that's why the FBI, FBI wanted to assassinate him. Not because he w was running a black uh, nationalist organization or a, or a black forward-facing um, faction. Hmm. It's because he was starting to get the um, uh, Hispanics involved. He was starting to get poor whites involved. He was starting to get... And that's when it started to mm. to roll back. And you know what? The interesting thing was in that scene. It like it almost made it made me really sad because I think, and I, uh, I'm I'm getting into dangerous waters here. So tell me if I if I if I say something wrong or if I get into the wrong place. But I do think there is a commentary, maybe not explicitly by the filmmaker, about the need for so solidarity in terms of lower class people, working class people, instead. Um, to get together, yeah, um, and it's across racial lines because the Black Panthers go into an overtly racist organization. They go into an overtly racist meeting, and they say, "Look, man, we get it. You hate us. The dude, my man, does a little opener at the top. Boom, <laughs> boom, boom. You know, you got to crack the room open." Yeah, and then he goes on to be like, "Yo, but we can be solid. You know, I understand that that's your thing, but this is important. This is above us." 
and I think there's a thing now in in society now and people when people talk about cancel culture and they talk about that I think it's almost always coming from the point of view of I wanted to be able to say whatever I want to say not in the sense that like this is being created by a liberal media system that is supporting uh, capitalism mm. you, yeah repeat that last bit the idea that like white and like we've said before you know when we've had discussions off the off the pod white and bl- poor black people have more in common oh, than yeah. rich white people and poor white people yeah so it behooves rich white people to make rich uh, poor white people seem like the worst pieces of shit racist scum there is so that black people and white people on that level wouldn't unite and again, it's the thing that Fred Hampton real really did. It's not fictionalized for the film. This is like a real that this this group really merged with the Black Panthers to do all this fucking marching and activism work. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say historically one of the interesting things I like as well is uh, obviously I watched that Adam Curtis documentary, which uh, fucking blew my hair back. But um, one of the things that seems to be borne out by this movie, which by all accounts, I don't know why this wouldn't be factual since a lot of the other things are. Is that a lot of the most militant um, suggestions within the Black Panther Party came from people who were FBI informants? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is uh, something that uh, apparently it was borne out in the uh, the trial of um, when Afini Shakur was uh, arrested. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, there's like a, l- a large transcript where she actually stares down the guy who was in the in the Black Panthers but was an FBI informant, and he. And she basically is like, well, who suggested it? And he was like, yeah, it kind of was us. Mm. <laughs> it was like, yeah. And this is born out here. All of the most extreme actions really come from Lakeith. Suggested by Lakeith. Yeah. He's the one who, who picks up the guns and is like, come on, are we going to do something? Mm. Well, it, this is really interesting because that was that I didn't, obviously, I didn't, I didn't even know about uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character, Bill O'Neill, before this film. Uh, but there was a film that came out a couple of years ago. Did you see The Day Shall Come? No. Right? It's it's just very interesting because The Day Shall Come was is about that, but in present day. So Chris Morris movie, so the guy did Brass Eye, Four Lions, is very funny, but it's also about the the FBI trying to frame a present day, like, black revolutionary group that have no power. They're, it's like four people. But after 9-11, the FBI got heavily back into framing terrorist groups because it was just the quotas that they were meeting were for catching terrorist cells. So what they would do is these exact same tactics was they'd stick an informant in, but post 9-11, they would intentionally have the informants suggesting the most insane radical things so they could pin it on them. And they'd be like, Mm. this was the famous Chicago thing again, where it was like the five guys who were who took money from the FBI to like start their terrorist organization, but they didn't really want it. They just wanted the cash to like rejuvenate their building company. So they just bought horses and just marched like five guys just on horses marched into Chicago. were like, this is the invasion and we've taken the money. And that was, but it's like, so the FBI is still pulling this same fucking shit today. Um, it's very funny. Um, but yeah, let's go back. Let's go back to this. Um, award. Do you think this, this has a shot at best picture? I think it does. I actually I think, think it does. does. I, it's mm. still it's still second place for me behind Nomadland. Mm. Um, but I, second place to me behind the father. Behind oh, I re- think the fa- you put the father above the fa- this. I think the father. In terms, yeah, I think so. I think I, th- I think I would give the father this the thing on that like kitchen sink pure acting drama where I'm like this is, but it's so clearly a stage play. Whereas this, mm. 
for me felt like everything a film should be. It was a very good film. In terms, I won't yeah. lie. It's a very good film. I do think um, both of these are, are great movies. In talking to you, I have my esteem of Judas and the Black Messiah has risen. But unfortunately, I have to go off my initial yeah, yeah. watching. <laughs> yeah. But like, as we're talking right now, I'm like, man, this is fuck. This movie is a fucking banger. But um, when I wish initially sat down to watch it two hours, mm. I was like, ah, oh, this is so good. But then there was like a little scratch at my shoulder. Just yeah. Like, oh, but it could have been maybe a little bit better. Um, look, man, uh, we're going to keep trying to like bash these ones out for you. Um, we're going to have to accelerate as we get closer. Um, but stay tuned. It's going to be in the feed. We're going to have um, all of these Oscar movies out. We're going to try our best. Cheese. Did I say you cheese? said cheese. <laughs> Leave it in. Leave it in.